Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Words are about to be spoken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the Ad Free Shows Network and the Podcast Heat Network. That is Matt Hardy himself, the broken one, local one, spoken one, as I say every single week. I'm John Alba, and we are back with another of the extreme life. How are you, my friend? Another week at home on the compound. Yeah, I uh, we're here taping this late on Thursday. Very unusual for us, but. I uh, just got back off a whirlwind trip. I was literally gone for 26 hours. I left the Hardy compound, went to the airport, flew out to Denver, went straight to TV, did TV, wrestled, finished up, went straight back to the airport, flew home, uh, Denver to Detroit, Detroit, Raleigh, drove straight back home. And uh, I haven't seen a bed in 26 hours until I got home and I, I got in the bed for a couple hours. And, and now I'm just uh, running on fumes. But I am all good because I'm very passionate about the extreme life of Matt Hardy. So I'm, I'm cool to be here and running on fumes because I'm ready to talk shop. Big shout out to our boy, Josh Henney, who was ringside yes. in his extreme life of Matt Hardy shirt at AEW Dynamite. I always appreciate the support. You get those T-shirts or if you want something else, you could even get like this beautiful fall baseball shirt. The Matt Fact, Matt Fiction shirt over at boxgimmicks.com. You're going to look real good in those. You just search for the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy store. And why not support your favorite podcast? Because you know the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is keeping it real every single week. Wherever you get your podcast at extremehardy.com. Matt, uh, which child from the gaggle woke you up from your three-hour nap? Uh in all honesty, it was none of them because I actually set an alarm because I had to take Wolfie to jiu-jitsu. But they were at Grandpa's, though. They were with okay. Senior Benjamin. So uh, so they were kind of out of our hair. So uh, Queen Rebecca, she was wanting to sleep a little bit, and I was wanting to sleep a little bit, so we actually got a little bit of sleep. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. A new day. Yes, it is. Well, you had a busy week over in Denver. A busy 26 hours, I should say, over there, as you alluded to. But before <laughs> we get into that, Matt... We have an announcement here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy because in the past we've talked about how much fun we've had taking this show on the road. And it got me thinking, why don't we bring it to Hardy country? So Matt, tell everyone where can people get the next live edition of the extreme life of Matt Hardy? That's right. We are taking the shiz on the riz. We're taking the show on the road and we're going to be at WrestleCade this Friday, November the 24th. Mark it down in your uh, in your little black book because myself and John and uh, some special guests we're going to be doing a live recording and episode of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy in Winston Salem, North Carolina, at WrestleCade, home of the WrestleCade. Very excited for that. It's going to be Friday, November twenty fourth. So we are under two months out from that. 
8.30 p.m. start time. This is going to be part of all of the WrestleCade festivities. If you haven't been to WrestleCade, last year was my first one. It was an incredible experience. Tracy and Brian and all those guys out there do such a great <laughs> job. And you know if you go to WrestleCade that the Hardys are hella over in that neck of the woods in Winston-Salem. So last year, if you may remember, we did the Omega panel, the Omega reunion panel. And this year we are bringing the podcast live with special guests to WrestleCade. Tickets can be bought at WrestleCade.com. What can people expect with the entire WrestleCade weekend, Matt? I know it's something that's near and dear to you. I mean, it, it truly is a professional wrestling extravaganza and it's one of the biggest ones on the east coast it's really grown so much over the last decade i was at the first wrestlecade and i main evented the first three or four wrestlecades and i, I know those guys uh th those guys are very kind with their words they're very complimentary and they said you know that i helped build wrestlecade but they they really tracy and brian and all of the team there tim woody gotta shout him out tim blaze uh, those guys have done an amazing job at like really branding WrestleCade into one of the most superior independent wrestling events on the East Coast, actually in the United States, because it really is. That weekend, there's events Friday, there's a lot of podcasts, there's stand-up shows, there's all kinds of things. There's also a card of wrestling on Friday, and then the main card of wrestling is on Saturday night, which is going to be WrestleCade, which... Earlier in the day, there's an autograph signing. Myself and Brother Nero, Jeff Hardy, he is going to be there. It's uh, the first time he has officially done WrestleCade. And I'm going to give you guys a little sneak peek. There might be a very strong possibility Jeff hangs around for the main card, the wrestling show, which he doesn't do nowadays. He does not wrestle off the grid from AEW. But there's a chance he might do a little something at WrestleCade. So okay. you want to get your tickets for WrestleCade right now. Uh, and then Sunday, there's going to be activities as well. Really, it's a it's it's really a, a three day a, a three three day weekend extravaganza, and and they do everything that you want to love about wrestling. You'll see everything that weekend. You'll see wrestling. You'll be able to get autographs. You'll see podcasts. You'll see stage shows. You'll you'll see a little bit of everything. It's a great great weekend. Great city too. It's George South's favorite wrestling weekend, and it's going to be yours as well. WrestleCade.com. Get those tickets and catch Matt and I live with the extreme life of Matt Hardy on stage in living color. Always a great time when I get to hang out with you, and I know we will have a great time with those fans there as well. You know, and as a matter of fact, Matt, we have a great time with our fans over on the ad-free shows network you and i are after this taping going to be uh, recording a bonus episode for this month mm -hmm. over at adfreeshows.com where we are going to watch a match with you and the rock that we will be talking about on this edition of the extreme life but one of the most popular series over on adfreeshows.com is the ask conrad series and i told you a little bit about it last week but i want to remind our listeners of course uh, they're up to nearly 60 episodes with that one. And on the most recent one, Conrad named his top five factions of all time. Uh, Lauren says, back in July, I saw a post on the internet listing for the top 10 factions of all time. NWO's number one. It ain't close. They're number one. Then it's probably the bloodline, just based on doll hairs. Then it's probably four horsemen, based on influence. Back to DX for doll hairs. Um, I guess I'll throw a bullet club in there and that's the end of the list. All that other stuff is just conversation.
One thing I can't say about that video after watching it is uh, Arn Anderson's look and his choice of outfit is amazing. It, it makes me smile every time. Pops me huge. Everything about Arn Anderson pops me huge. I'm sure he'll be at WrestleCade, so make sure you go check that out there as well. And you can catch Ask Conrad each and every month, plus thousands of hours of other bonus content. Do it now with a special offer. New subscribers save 20% off their first month by going to adfree20.com. That's 20% off month one right now at adfree20.com. Matt, I want to ask you about something big coming out of the AEW world, two things in particular coming out of the AEW world mm -hmm. this week, uh, as it relates to dynamite this past week, we learned that Adam Cole is pretty damn hurt, broke his ankle, tore ligaments. We were worried about that last week. We talked a little bit about it, but now we know the severity of it. I know you're a huge, huge Adam Cole fan. We've had him here on the podcast, extremehardy.com. Anything you'd like to say about his injury here at the top of his game? Yeah, I am a huge, a massive proponent of Adam Cole, as uh, you know, and as most people know that have watched this podcast. Uh, if you've never seen it before, you should go back and check the interview that we did on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy Center archives with myself and Adam Cole. He, uh, I, I caught him at a very interesting time. It's kind of when I was going to the second stage of my career, I feel like, and I, I, I was really fortunate to be able to work with him and, and he made me feel good and confident about what I was doing at that time as I was kind of changing up the way I worked. And he actually kind of said the same. I was the first big name he actually get, got to have a, a legit program with and he said that I was helping him as well. So I think we were like a mutual admiration society helping one another, which was was great. But huge fan of Adam Cole. And uh, just just when I saw him after getting to TV, it was heartbreaking to see how how badly he was injured. Uh, broken bones in his foot, torn ligaments, torn tendons, and got a big surgery coming up, and he's going to be down and out for a while. And one of the worst things about it is he was just in the hottest angle, one of the hottest angles in wrestling, you know, with uh, Better Than You, baby. You know, him and MJF, they've just been television gold. And it sucks that he gets hurt at this time, but just knowing – the creative process between those two and MJF as well. I'm, I'm sure they'll make the most out of this and, and they'll make things work. I'm sure they will too, but AEW just has this horrendous injury luck where every single time something gets really hot in the main event program, someone just gets hit with a fluke injury. It's you can't prepare for that stuff. You just have to roll with the changes. How does that, when that happens, bring out the best or worst of the creative process in your opinion. <clears throat> well, I mean, it, it definitely makes you think and it makes you think out of the box. So that's a, a beneficial thing. Sometimes when you're forced to kind of think in a box and you have like these parameters, you have to stay within because obviously Adam Cole being injured, he's not going to be able to do anything physical, but the, the stuff they're doing is good. They've got a great story and the stuff they've already built with Roddy in the kingdom uh, fits right into everything they're doing. I think, the funny thing is a lot of times when you have these top guys that get hurt like that, it's because of the wear and tear of them, like busting their ass and going out and trying to like steal the show every night, trying to like, you know, have the ultimate match of the night, have the best main event they could possibly have. Adam's thing was so weird and such, such a freak injury because he ran and he jumped off the ramp, you know, and he just landed wrong. And it just, it is what it is. It was a very, very freak thing. And it sucked that it happened, but I'm pretty excited to see how creative they get with this and where they end up taking the same. Isn't it wild that we were so caught up in the all in stuff where we're like, man, you put them on the pre-show. We might get hurt before your big main event. 
Then they have both of those matches. It goes off out without a hitch, and then he gets hurt just jumping off a stage here, like five feet. It, I mean, and it, that, that's crazy. one thing about it. I, I can say when, when you're in the mix and, you, and, and like you're deep in the trenches and you're working all the time, especially if you're in that especially if you're in that level of any company where you have to produce and you have to put out these great matches, much like I think I told you when we talked about state college at one point, whenever we walked in and we were all sore shit and beat up and they said, we had a three segment ladder match I said, Oh, well, you don't have to do the ladder matches like you did in the past. You know, you can just make it more simple. It's like, that's not really how things work. You know, we kind of have this bar we have to live up to. So even during the course of all that work that Adam has done, you know, even having the match against Aussie open and then having that, great killer main event at all in with MJF. I mean, who knows? Maybe he tweaked his ankle in there somewhere that you never even knew. And it was just like, you know, cumulative and, and, and it eventually catches up to you. And I feel like that's what happens the majority of the time when you have main event talent that goes down, they've just been working so hard and they have little nagging things. And finally, you know, the, the straw uh, breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Tough stuff, tough stuff, but you really do never know what's going to come. I mean, think of it this way, Matt, if your brother never has that accident on his bike back in 2014, 2015, who knows if that sets you on the path to become the big money mad character, which then sets up broken Matt. Who's to say if that ever even happens. That's correct. Yes. That is a, that is an absolute. Yeah. Ah. That is a yes, because that is kind of what led us down that path. You know, it opened us up that we had to change some stuff and it gave us a little backstory that we can kind of interweave into real life, you know, and kind of, you know, make people guess like, oh, where does the, where does uh fact end and where does fiction start? You know, and that's kind of, you know, the, the whole beauty of being able to blur the lines. And I, I think they, they've got a lot of great potential to do great stuff with this Adam Cole MJF angle. Yeah, who's wrestling. the devil? Who, who's the devil, John? Who is the devil? That is the question. And I thought the angle was really hot that they did at the end. And there's some hints as to who the devil may be. But uh, I, I think that's a story that we should see play out over a period of time. We'll let it play out as we do here on the extreme life. How many men were? How many men were in there, John? How many men attacked Switchblade? I'd have to go back and count. I didn't pay that close attention. <laughs> the blade of Switch. Uh, I, I, I figured you would have, uh, you're, you're, you're pretty good with those details. So I figured I am good with those details and the devil is in the details. And the detail that I caught was the one that everyone was talking about, which was just a few weeks ago when they did the vignette with him sitting down and you saw the devil's mask in Adam Cole's locker. And I thought that was, got me, got me thinking just a little bit. So we'll see how that stuff plays out. Uh, Wrestle Dream coming this weekend. Something a little different going out to Seattle there. A big time main event. Potentially mm-hmm. the main event. I assume it's the main event. Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. One of those true dream matches that is left there on the table at this stage. Any expectations for Wrestle Dream here, Matt? I, I mean, the, the card is is really good. I think it's a really, really strong card. I like it a lot. I, I thought it was really interesting seeing the Bucks in singles action. On Dynamite this week is a very unique spot. Uh, and a lot of stuff changed for that show, obviously. Adam Cole being hurt, John Moxley being hurt. You know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of changes that happened during that night. And uh, just for everyone here that is watching this, in case you haven't been online or whatever, we have a lot of passionate uh, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy fans that like watch us and listen to us live at 6 a.m. in the morning, wherever you check out your podcast. But tonight on Rampage, uh, the show will open up 
with this very special six-man trios match that's never happened before. It will be the team of Matt and Jeff Hardy, along with uh, our understudy, Brother Zay, taking on the acclaimed and daddy ass. So that's going to be pretty interesting. Imagine that it's 2023 and you have one half of the Hardys or you have both of the Hardys squaring off with one half of the new age outlaws. Who would have thought we'd be bringing back these throwbacks from the nineties, right? In 2023. That is crazy, but nostalgia sells and it sells even better when everyone's still kicking ass. And I think that's great to see. And daddy ass, as we know, is just on top of his game right now. And they're selling those acclaimed replicas for $5,000 on the yeah. AW shop, which is wild. I think there's only I'm 10. very, I'm very curious of how they're selling. I mean, I think they're only producing 10 of them. So, uh, $5,000 is pretty wild, but you know what? They wouldn't list the price if they didn't think someone would pay for it. So uh, I think it's very possible that someone will, uh, but wrestle dream is coming. I, I can't wait for hangman page and swerve. I think those two are going to absolutely tear it down. Really good fire from both of them and their segment on dynamite. I I'll tell you which match I'm really excited for too, John. I, I agree with that. The hangman swerve thing is going to be amazing. Swerve's really coming into his own, and you can see he's in a position where they really want to do all that they can to continue to push him up the card and give him opportunities, and he's a guy who's very deserving of them, I think. So I love seeing him versus Hangman. And I love seeing Hangman kind of get back in the mix and get back on track. you know. And, and, and I feel like he is a very important pillar, not to use that as a pun, but he's a very important pillar of AAW because he was there when the movement started. He was the first guy that was kind of like a homegrown talent that became the world heavyweight champion. Uh, you know, and there was obviously a lot of controversy around those runs and the way it ended and everything else that, that went down. But like, I'm, I'm happy to see hangman back to where he should be and kind of back in the mix. But him and Swerve are going to kill it. One of the matches I'm most excited about is that six man tag. I'm really looking forward to seeing Jericho uh, along with Abushi and Kenny versus uh, the Don Callis family of uh, Takeshita, Sammy Guevara, and Will Ospreay. That's going to be a hell of a match, I think. I would agree with that, but I want to circle back real quick to swerve with you because one mm -hmm. of the most overacts in AEW and wrestling right now is Prince Nana. Oh, yeah. And I got to ask you, Matt Hardy, I got to put you on the spot here. Can you give us your best Prince Nana right now for the oh. Extreme Life Faithful? When he swerves, I know he's, when I swerve, when I swerve. And then he does the thing up like this a little bit. I'd have to watch it over, uh, watch it over and do it again. But I, I, I do like it. And I'm a big fan of Nana. So Nana came up whenever Rebbe was getting a little training early in the day. So like we always chat about kids and family. And he's just like, oh, what's up to the kids, whatever. And it's funny, I met his brother last night, uh, actually at the show. It's so crazy to think that was last night. But I met him as we were leaving Denver and uh, I said, oh, look at this guy. I said, he's just slipped on going viral. I said, he's the hottest thing in the company right now. Absolutely wild to see how over Nana has gone. You did pretty well there. That was good. That was good. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Last bit of news I just want to hit on real quick. Jade Cargill, she's off the WWE. They made a big deal about that signing. I know you, way back when, people may not even remember this, you actually courted Jade services in AEW. You, you want to represent her as big money, Matt. Right. What are your thoughts on her again? The superstar treatment over from WWE upon signing. I mean, it's a good call. I mean, she's a, uh, there's a ton of untapped potential in her. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I think if WWE is trying to treat her like a star, if they're trying to give her the biggest boost possible to really like, uh, 
<clears throat> to really have her blast off into superstardom. They're doing it the right way because she seems like a big deal. And like she left AEW at the optimal time. When you think about it, you know, she had this big push. She'd been undefeated. She had one loss. She went away for a while. She came back to all this hoopla, you know, and then she announces to management, I guess, that she's going to go to WWE. And then she has one more loss and then off to WWE. But I mean, that's leaving uh, about as unblemished as you can possibly be. So she she should do great. She has the look of a star. Uh, that once again, I've said this about other guys too. Like when it comes to like a female wrestler, like she's Vince McMahon's perfect item. You know what I mean? Vince would love that look. I can tell you, big, pretty girl who's muscular, athletic, like a, a freak athlete. So it's gonna be really interesting just to see how it goes. And, and one thing I'm really curious to see about Jade is just how her work translates into longer matches. Like if she's doing main events as opposed to shorter matches, I think that's going to be the determining factor of how deep she goes into being a superstar. You know, if she can go and produce those great long matches, those great long competitive main event matches, that's, that's going to be uh, the point where she has to, to prove herself more than anywhere else. Yeah, if you're a main eventer in WWE right now, especially that women's division, which is so stacked, the work rate is something people really care about. And how she translates to that, we'll find out. She's got all the credentials. She has all the intangibles, everything you'd want in a big-time superstar. I crack up, Matt, when people are like, oh, you see, AEW didn't make her a star. Now it's time for WWE to make her a star. And I say to myself, Man, WWE would have made such a big deal about her coming in if AEW didn't make her a star, right? Of course. Of course. I mean, AEW put equity into Jade. You know what I mean? I mean, Jade, she is such a unique athlete. She is such a unique female as it is. Uh, but they put tons and tons and tons of equity into her. So they gave her a lot of value. And if it wasn't for, you know, Tony Khan and AEW, she definitely wouldn't have gotten the deal she got or she wouldn't have came in with all that hype. I mean, she is. She's a star as it is. And they're they're treating her like a star and it's the right move. A lot of people think she could become a big time crossover star, Marvel, action movies, whatever it may be. And that's why, Matt, we are talking about the definitive crossover star here on the extreme life of matt hardy yes. Dwayne the rock johnson on this edition of the extreme life so without further ado please my friend hit us with that matt fact matt fact matt considers rock a stand-up guy afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. feel like a lot of people have that impression of Dwayne within the pro wrestling industry, that he's someone who is equally as high character as he is high caliber of a performer. And I'm excited to dig into that with you as we discuss Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who has a pretty storied football career before he goes over to WWE. Of course, he comes from pro wrestling royalty, high chief, Peter Maivia, Rocky Johnson, it, it is in his blood, the, that Samoan Anawai'i family. 
there is just nothing short of prolific professional wrestling glory flowing through those veins. What were your early memories about rock as far as being a member truly, no pun intended, of that bloodline and coming up through those generations? You know, I wasn't overly familiar with his family uh, background, his family tree. And just, you know, I, I knew his dad was Rocky Johnson. But just, you know, the, the fact that we were kind of learning about the whole Samoan family tree and just how incredible and prolific this family was and all the members of it. Just meeting him originally, our initial interactions with him were was when he first started, he was doing the Rocky Maivia character. And it was one of those things. It was one of the first examples of a character that was supposed to be a good guy, baby face, get shared, but the crowd turned against him, you know, with the die Rocky die chance and everything else. But our first impressions of him as we were there just as extras, you know, and we were around pretty often, they would see us every few weeks, every couple of months, whatever as we were trying to get jobs ourselves, trying to secure spots ourselves. But he was always so nice. I'll never forget, we talked about State College uh, last week as we were there with Collision. And actually, I brought up State College again tonight. But there was a point where we were going to State College, and I remember we were driving around, and we weren't sure where the building were was. And we pulled up to a stoplight, and he was there. He's like, hey, what's going on, Hardys? How you doing? How you doing, Sub-Zero? Uh, and that was Marty before he was Champagne. <clears throat> and... Uh, he said, follow me. He said, I know where I'm going. He said, I've been here before. So we, you know, we followed him, drove, and he got there. He said, Yeah, the guys behind me, they're they're booked here too. They're 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 here to, to wrestle also. You know, and that's when sometimes it was difficult for us to get in there because we obviously weren't household names. But I mean, that's one of our first interactions with him. And we're like, man, what a cool dude. Like he stopped and he rolled down his window and he made sure to like make sure we were okay. Did we know where we were going? He's like, Oh, just follow me, I'll take you there. And he made sure we got into the gate. So that 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 left a huge impression honest right from the jump that was one of our first experiences with him. i want to dive a little more into his presence and personality like that too but i want to talk about him as an athlete first and foremost because mm -hmm. we're talking somebody who was legitimately a high caliber co collegiate athlete he goes to the university of miami to play defensive tackle mm -hmm. and he's playing with warren sap some of the best college football players of that era if you have memory of college football at the time we're talking prime the you right like like we're talking the definitive yeah. crazy high octane college football style that defined an era and the rock is part of it a significant part of it they go on to find a ton of success they win a national championship he plays in the cotton bowl he plays in the orange bowl he gets a shot in the Canadian Football League with the Calgary Stampeders, but he does get cut eventually after that. What were your early impressions of him as an athlete upon first meeting him? I mean, it was always very obvious he was an athlete, especially with the way he looked, the way he kept himself in shape. You know, always a top-notch athlete. Um, but still, even more than that, I mean, just my interactions with him, what still more than anything else was just his personality and just the kindness that lied within him, you know, and just how friendly he was with everyone. And I just feel like as time went on throughout the years that that never changed. So as an athlete, yes, obviously he was top notch. He was tailor made to be a pro wrestler, you know, and especially when you factor in his charisma and his personality and just how he just demands attention, you know, he forces you to, 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 to watch him. He forces you 
to like be hanging on his next word on be hanging on his next action. I mean, and that is truly the gift he has more than anything else. And I think that crosses all the levels, pro wrestling, acting, everything else, even, even more than just his athleticism and sportsmanship and athletic ability. He was a superb athlete. You know, we've been, we've been following along the college football season very closely over with our DraftKings King of the Mountain contest. But I mean, at that time, and that's what just blows my mind, Matt, because a lot of these wrestlers, when they come into a company for the first time, they are blown away by performing in front of thousands of people for the first time. I mean, you experienced that firsthand, I'm sure, the first few times that you were in front of these large crowds. But Dwayne, he's indoctrinated. He's playing in front of 50, 60,000 people and then on national television. Do you think that helped prepare him at all for this stage? Yeah, I mean, that absolutely helps with with the nerves that helps with anxiety, you know, it, ju it just helps regulate you and just your aura and, and, and just your mind and your emotions into being in that space, you know, knowing that you've done it before. So, yeah, it obviously helps. And just imagine being one of the people who was fortunate enough to be able to say, I saw The Rock when he played college football. <laughs> I, I went to... Coral Gables, and I saw this young Dwayne Johnson at 21 years old as a defensive tackle. What you would do to be able to go see a game like that? Well, the beauty is, Matt Hardy, you don't have to wait around to see the stars of tomorrow today because you can go over to game time and make sure that you get those beautiful last-minute tickets to whatever event you're looking for. Sometimes we're talking sports. Sometimes we're talking concerts. Sometimes we're talking pro wrestling. Whatever it may be, Game Time is your one-stop shop to get all your last-minute ticket needs absolutely fulfilled. Matt Hardy, I know that on your phone right now, you've got that Game Time app downloaded. You've got that account yeah. created. And you've used that code Hardy to save $20 off your first purchase. What's your favorite part about the game time? It's just, it, it, it's really a, uh, a no-nonsense type deal. It's very easy. It's very direct. Uh, there, there's no hidden expenses. There's no hidden fees. And to anyone in the Seattle area, if you haven't got your tickets to Collision and Wrestle Dream, now might be the time to do it. And game time is the person to get those tickets with. I would 100% endorse that, Matt. I had such a hard time. You know my whole Springsteen ticket debacle. We've covered this ad mm -hmm. nauseum on this podcast. Trying to get the seats that I wanted for the price that I was comfortable spending money on. And right. I, I would go through every single different avenue that I could possibly think of. And I had that big angel moment you know where like the, the the seas part, the clouds clear, and you hear the angels singing? I had that moment with Game Time. Exactly. That, that, exactly. I had that with Game Time that allowed me to see Bruce Springsteen in Philadelphia in a seat that was one of the best views I've ever had. And I got it done at the very last second because Game Time has killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, view from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what you're going to expect when you arrive at the venue. All-in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees, and you can buy the tickets in seconds with just two taps. And this is something that I talked about last week, too, on the podcast. I love this. This is called Zone Deals, 
And with their zone deals, you pick the section that you want and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. So maybe Matt Hardy, if you're willing to let things be a whisper in the wind, perhaps you might end up saving almost 20% on your ticket. What do you think about that? You can't beat 20%. Big money. Matt is always here for a saving a percentage. <laughs> a wee fee, if you will. We want to help you out here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code Hardy for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code H A R D Y for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's continue with The Rock. So he makes the jump over to the World Wrestling Federation in 1996. As I said, he comes from some pretty prestigious lineage. When mm-hmm. someone has that background, the connections to the Rocky Johnsons, the high chief Pete Maivias, what kind of pressure comes with that? And from your experience seeing it with others, what kind of pressure does Vince put on those guys? I don't know if Vince specifically would put pressure on them. I mean, but because of their uh, family tree, because of their lineage. But I, I, I do know Vince puts pressure on all his talents, you know, to like step up, to, to be something more, to uh, step outside your comfort zone. And I'm sure he's going to do the same with Rock. And I, I would almost guess, knowing how Rocky's personality was then, when he got hit with that B super happy over the top you know full of joy babyface rocky maivia i can't imagine that was he was tickled to have that i could be wrong but that would be my guess this is a little much because i i definitely see him and his personality ed is if he could go into business for himself at the very beginning i feel like he would have done something that was a little more edgy at that time especially like in the late 90s right i feel like he'd have been a little more edgy which obviously once we got to the actual rock uh, one of the most edgy, most edgy characters ever. And and that was him. You know, that was his wheelhouse, no doubt. But I, I feel like Vince pushes people, not necessarily because of Rocky Johnson or, you know, Peter Maivia. I feel like he pushes them to be something different. And it just worked out. Like, even though the people turned against him and they were chanting, die, Rocky, die, they cared. And that's what was important. If you have that sort of synergy between a wrestling fan base and a wrestler, you can always turn it into something as long as they're reacting. I mean, if they're cheering and like, if they're, if the roof is exploding off the building every week you come out, that's a positive. If you're getting booed out of the venue every week you come out, that's a positive too, because they care when you come out and they don't do anything. That's when it's problematic. That's when you're having an issue. That's when you're having trouble. I guess I just ask because Lineage is a very big part of how he's pushed. He's promoted as the blue chipper. He's pushed as the first third generation WWF superstar. He gets this Madison Square Garden debut that not many people can say they have at the Survivor Series. It, I, Red, I, I, I just I just feel like that translates, though, into kind of a work. You know what I mean? I feel okay. like the pressure of being a third generation guy wasn't really forced upon him. And there weren't these unrealistic expectations on him okay. you know, because he was a third generation guy. Like he had to do something immediately right out of the jump. I feel like that was a great way to brand him. That was a great way to promote him. And I feel like that as far as the advertisement around him, that was more of a, a tool or a prop more than anything else. 
He's an amazing character study because you look at this iteration, Rocky Mayavia, there's nothing that encompasses that era of Vince McMahon's mentality more than that. In comparison to what he becomes, the Brahma Bull, the people's champion, where that then encompasses that era better than just about anything else. And I think that probably speaks to his versatility and his willingness to accept change. If you could give any advice to a pro wrestler who maybe gets saddled with a character they're not comfortable with at first or a gimmick that they don't truly believe in, like Dwayne probably didn't believe in that early Rocky Maivia character at first, what type of advice would you have to offer those types of performers? Uh, I mean, you just have to go out there and you have to make the most out of whatever you have to work with. If you're given an opportunity and especially once again, um, Vince gave myself and Bray a great opportunity and it didn't pan out like he wanted it to, or like he saw it. And and we think it should have been different, but once again, we went out and if he wanted us to go out and be regular wrestlers, as opposed to like gimmick characters, you don't have a three or four minute match and just win a match every week on TV because he needed matches and he needed talent on the show, whatever we're fine with that. And we would make the most out of it. You know, we always thought we should have vignettes. We should be in remote places. It should be like a special occasion if we're actually having a wrestling match, but that's not necessarily how he did it. But long story short, when rock was given that opportunity to do that, and it wasn't necessarily probably what he would do. It probably didn't play best into his personality. Um, it is what it is. And he went out there and he made the most of it. And then once they got to that point where they were chanting, die, Rocky, die, I, I, I am sure he knew he had tapped into something special because it was so polarizing, but people gave a shit. Hi, Maxwell. Hi. You want to say something? Uh, hi, I'm going to go get some paper towel on it because for some reason it's dripping from the bottom. All right. Uh, All right, we're just trying to do a little business here. Okay. What a studious contributing member of society that Maxwell Hardy is, <laughs> I want to tell you. Just in here <laughs> drinking his hot cocoa. I could go for some hot. It is like pure hot cocoa weather right oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. We're talking, it's like mid-50s, rainy, damp. I got the sweatshirt on right now. This is hot cocoa weather. I might have okay. to go make some after this. What is it? What's, what, what's the temp outside? It's like it's like 55 right now. Okay. But it's we rainy. With, it's damp. I got back when I got up. I went out with Rebecca, and we had a, a quick little swim. It was 83, 84, but it was wow. like nice this evening. Yeah. <laughs> what a difference. What a yeah. difference. Um, did Maxwell have to send time out for hijacking the show last week? We didn't even talk about that. Mm, I just took him to the ring and we wrestled a little bit. All right, you worked it out. How many times did I tap you out? You think? Uh, uh, 10. 10. Okay. <laughs> you know, so we just, we went out and we wrestled a little bit. We, we sparred, uh, th- th- this guy's going to be hard to handle. I'm telling everybody, Maxwell, you're going to be very, very hard to handle when you get bigger. You're very aggressive now. Interesting. You have a bit of a killer instinct too. That's and good. You, you'll get you'll get mad at me. Yeah. Well, he'll get, he'll he'll get mad at me when he says I'm too rough with him, but um, I take it very easy on him. It sounds like a challenge in the future. There, we'll have to see what that sets up. I think we're setting up an angle right now, and uh, <laughs> to see how that plays out. I I think you totally hit it though on on the head there with the rolling with the punches. And the die, Rocky, die stuff. So the fans start to reject this Rocky Maivia character. And eventually it becomes apparent it's time for him to change. And he turns heel in August of 97. 
and joins the nation of domination. It's Farouk, it's D'Lo Brown, it's Kama Mustafa, and The Rock. And that is where he forms the persona, The Rock. Mm -hmm. He starts insulting the audience. He starts insulting other wrestlers. He starts to build some charisma in his overall performance. What did joining the Nation of Domination do for him? I mean, I feel like that too was a great idea because it didn't put all the pressure on Rock having to get over all by himself as a heel or as a bad guy. You know, you had this die, Rocky die. It, it was perfect how that, that was, it was almost very much like a sign of the times as well as we're entering into the attitude era, right? How people like, we don't want these cookie cutter, like, yay, good guy. I'm going to do the right thing. Baby face. You know, that, that was kind of outdated at that point. And just being able to join with Farouk, Ron Simmons, uh, Papa Shango, and uh, D'Lo Brown. I mean, it gave him a great stable of guys and a support system where he could figure out on the fly what works for him the best as a heel. But also, too, he didn't have to necessarily rely just on himself. He also had a, a, a strong backup. How helpful do you think those guys were to him in finding himself? Ron, I, I know Ron definitely was. I, I've spoke with Ron. It's great. I'm, you know, I have the honor and pleasure of, you know, seeing Ron quite a bit whenever I'm out and doing conventions and stuff. Because the guy that uh, books myself and Jeff also books Ron. But it's just he's talked about in the past. You know, when he first was talking to to Dwayne and we was giving the Rock advice and like I would do this as a hill or I would try this and I would you know take something away this way and then give it back like this. And th there's a lot of little things that Ron really helped him out with a lot. And I'm sure Rock absorbed that information from Ron Simmons like a sponge and then like kind of put his own spin on it and then you know off to the races he went from there is ron one of the more underappreciated wrestling minds out there i think so he's a very a very very basic wrestling mind but he he is underappreciated and once again he's one of those super athletes we're talking about rock and his football career obviously you can't talk about ron without mentioning his football career too you know uh Ron is Ron. Ron has a very solid wrestling mind, especially for that era. I would say like late eighties, early nineties. I mean, if you had Ron put together a match with someone in 2023, I don't know if it would work the same because sure, it sure. means so much, but it, during that time he had a great solid mind for like basic psychology. I, I guess I just give him that props because it feels like there's no one better to teach Dwayne at that time then a guy who was also a legit college football star. Mm -hmm. uh, that is huge. Plus, Ron Simmons was a successful black professional wrestler. Right. We know that's part of Rock's lineage. It's yep. what leads him into the nation of domination. Mark Henry joins the group as well eventually. It seems like you couldn't ask for a better mentor at that time to help you come into your own. No, I agree. And, and there, there was a lot of relatability between those two, right? They had such similar paths. In, in so many ways, both college football and then, uh, you know, just, just football stars in general and just uh, extraordinary athletes, like not just bullshit pro wrestling athletes, like extraordinary athletes on all levels, especially on the football field, you know, and uh, Ron Simmons was a, uh, he, he loves wrestling. He really enjoyed doing it. Although there were times like later in his career, he wanted to like, take it easy. You know, there was one time, which I'm just going to throw out this story with a, uh, with, with Ron and John. I don't know if I've ever shared on here before. So we used to do these tent towns. Do you know, like the tent shows that we would do like in the Northeast, they were smaller venues, but we would do two a day. You know, we would like 
go do a show two on Saturday, one Saturday uh, afternoon. We do one Saturday night. We do one Sunday morning. We do one Sunday night. And we did a deal where it was us versus Asian Christian versus the Acolytes, right? So Terry Taylor was the agent on there. He said, yeah, we were just kind of thinking about this match. And really the program here is between the Hardys and Edge and Christian. So we want to, we want to beat the APA first. So we'll get you guys out and, you know, you guys go in there, have a great match, whatever, and do whatever you need to do, look strong and, 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 and you're out of the match. And then we'll like, you know, Edge and Christian and the Hardys, then they'll, you know, give us about five, seven more minutes till we get to the finish, whatever. And that was the layout, the very first night of the match. And then uh, whenever they heard that, they said, okay, Terry Taylor, and, and they thought Terry Taylor had, had some sort of grudge against them anyway. He said, all right, we got this. He said, let's just do it quick. As soon as you guys get in the ring, you eliminate us. And Ron had something where we were going to do something with Bradshaw and all guys teamed up, and somebody rolled up Ron right off the jump. And, you know, Terry said, like, look good, look strong. He said, nah. He said, you know, if we're doing four of these shows, he said, we might as well go ahead and make you guys look good. You know, we're going to really build you guys up strong. You guys beat the Acolytes in seconds. You beat the APA in seconds. That way you guys, you guys are going to look good and you can burn the house down. So they had that match. And then the next day, so we did that Saturday morning. Uh, we did that Saturday Saturday night, right? And then Sunday morning, I remember we we walked into the venue. They said, all right, guys, you good? Same shit as last night. We don't have anything to talk about, right? And then I remember Ron, they came out last. And then we did the thing where we jumped and we ended up rolling him up. Ron came out. He had his rings on. He had bracelets on. He had like he didn't even take his jewelry off. I don't even think he taped up his wrist. He just said <laughs> it was just so funny because he just did not give a shit. And then I remember he came in there and boom, we did that. We rolled him up. And he said, all right. He said, we'll see you guys in the next town. And by the time <laughs> we got back, they'd already showered and they were gone and they were driving to, to where the next shot was that night. But he walked into the ring with like his bracelets on and he just, you know, he always had that black tape on as the acolytes. He just didn't give a shit. He was like checked out at that point. He's like, all right, well, you guys want us out first. We'll go out quick. Bracelets on and everything. We won't be doing that again. Yeah, we won't be doing that again. Yeah, that, that, was, that was all right, but we, we won't be doing that again. <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorite Ron Simmons stories. What a gem. We'll have to get him on the podcast uh, at some point because the stories Definitely. there would be tremendous. But uh, the Nation of Domination transforms Rock, and he becomes one of the top-tier players on WWE TV into 1998. You're in the company at that juncture. It's starting to become apparent that he's going to become a big deal. When did it click in your mind that you were looking at a guy that was going to be a top tier player for WWE? Uh, I mean, once he once he got to the Brahma Bull and the People's Champion, and you could see he was starting to become like the anti-hero. I think everyone everyone could feel that he was going to be a really big deal. Once he embraced the negativity that surrounded, uh, you know, Rocky Maivia, and then he became the rock. And then slowly you could see those boos starting to turn to cheers and people embrace him as the antihero. I think it was, it was pretty obvious to everyone that he was going to be a big, big deal. What intangibles did he have that he was mustering and creating at the time that made him get on that path to superstardom i mean once again just much like stone cold he was very edgy uh he was very very charismatic which is a gift in itself obviously and he he was just he would put so much thought into his promos into his taglines his catchphrases you know just when he would get stuff over you know it just 
it was just a sign of like everything was working, everything was clicking for him. And you just knew he was going to be a money making machine, especially I, I feel like he just did a lot of his homework. You know, whenever he would, uh, whenever he would work and do matches, I, I think he studied older stuff, you know, maybe even stuff that, you know, his family did back in the day. And he, he, he may have, you know, threw some of that stuff in, but he was a studious, he was a student of the game too. He was a very studious wrestler when it came to that. And I know he would definitely spend a lot of time with working on his catchphrases and, and the things he wanted to say and do. Was that stuff coming naturally to him? Did he have help? We know he worked very closely with Brian Gewertz, who to this day he still works extremely closely with, with his production company, Seven Bucks. Uh, was he yeah. getting help or was he enterprising a lot of this ideas himself? In the beginning, he was doing it himself. But, you know, once Brian came along, he was kind of thrust into the situation and then he helped him out greatly. Speaking of Brian, I actually saw Brian. I got to talk to him for like 15 minutes. We sat down and ate a little lunch. He was at Arthur Ashe. I don't even know if you knew that he was at Arthur Ashe and uh, Dean Malenko ran into him. He said, Oh, he said, Brian was asking about like you and Christian, if you guys were here or whatever. And I, I went and saw him and sat down and ate and kind of caught up with him a little bit. It was great. It was very, very good to see him. He looks the same, still acted the same. It was so, so funny. And we were making jokes about how rock's personal social media guy, whenever rock came out for his entrance, he said like, fuck it. And he just came up behind him recording. You know, he was just on TV in the shot, which WWE hates that shit, you know, more than anything. And Brian was making like inside jokes about it, which was so funny. And I, I noticed it right off. whenever I watched the video of rock's return. That's why we're talking about the rock on this, because that really was a tremendous return. And we'll, we'll hit yeah. on his future in just a little bit here on this episode of the extreme life. I think one of the reasons rock, rose to prominence so quickly wasn't just because of his natural charisma and talent i think rock came in at the perfect time to the main event scene because he had the most what, what would what would be the right word there was not a more perfect equal and opposite performer to him than Stone Cold Steve Austin at the same time. And how many times in wrestling history has that happened where you truly have a 1A and a 1B at the top of a promotion? It's seldom, if ever. How instrumental do you think Stone Cold was to enhancing The Rock and vice I versa? Mean they they were huge for each other. I mean, in very ways, in, in very many ways, it's very reminiscent of the relationship between myself and Jeff and Edge and Christian when we first started. You know, uh, the, the two teams, once again, played off one another. We were very opposite in many ways, but we also brought the best of one another. And those guys did it on the highest level, no doubt. You know, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin, the working man, and then you had The Rock, this flamboyant shit talker who – you know, you could promote him as the guy who's gifted everything because it, he's third generation and it came down through his family. You can make it sound like he got everything the easy way, whatever. Now he's a smooth talking, uh, you know, wealthy, uh, good dressing guy. You know, the total opposite of Stone Cold, where Stone Cold was definitely the, the you know, the, the common man, the, the, the people's man. Uh, so, yeah, they were perfect for one another. And I feel like that's why their careers ran on a parallel and, and their matches ran on a parallel and they continued to elevate each other every time they stepped in the ring with each other. I think one of the most amazing things about Rock at that time, especially, was he would stand there in the ring doing nothing and crowds 
would come unglued just at his presence. Mm -hmm. That supersedes pro wrestling. That's what happens when Michael Jackson would take the stage where crowds are going nuts just at their mere existence in front of them. Mm -hmm. Do you think Vince realized that rock was not long for the world of pro wrestling? Probably, <laughs> probably. I, I feel like, you know, that era of like having stone cold and rock become bigger than the WWE was in theory. I think that's where kind of Vince didn't want to consciously, consciously really try and allow anyone to become bigger than WWE. He wanted to, to make the biggest thing about WWE, the branding WWE when it was all said and done, but man, uh, Rock really was. He was special. And and it, just as you said that, being in the crowd and just being so passionate about just his presence in front of you, one of my all-time favorite moments in professional wrestling of all time was uh, WrestleMania 18, where him and Hogan were in the ring. The crowd was going nuts. It was so amazing. It was so cool to see Hogan be given that moment. And just the way that they were staring at one another and then they would look off in opposite ways, back, look off in opposite ways, and the crowd was eating it up. He was, they were eating out of their hands. You know, it was just unreal. And I remember walking out into the live crowd that night. We'd wrestled earlier. We were in a four-way tag team match for the titles. And I remember listening to the crowd, and it's one of the loudest reactions and one of the most surreal, cool moments I've ever personally been in an arena for. That that match, as by the way, we've got a run in from multiple members of the gaggle right now. Um, Everywhere that match, that match feels like the embodiment of everything you love about pro wrestling, where mm -hmm. you've got these two great characters, mm -hmm. the aura, the crowd, the investment. They don't do anything too complicated in the match, but it is everything you want in terms of reaction. Is that one of the more yes. memorable matches you've ever watched in person? Yeah, hundred percent. It's 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 one of my it's one of my all time favorite matches, especially just from a reaction standpoint. And, and it, I feel like if you kind of look back through history, wrestling is changing now. It's always evolving. It's always, uh, you know, it's always adapting to new styles and new things, whatever. But you know, you look back in the past and you think about some of those greatest moments. It's it's just. The, the greatest yeah. matches are made because of those phenomenal moments. Once again, that stare off between Hogan and Rock, the way the crowd was with them all throughout the match, you know, Hogan body slamming Andre and the hype behind that match. You know, there's, there's so many matches that are remembered for just those moments. And that was just such a magnificent moment when the Hogan Rock standoff happened in Toronto. It was so incredible. And I was so, I'm so, so happy. I was there to witness it in real time. As Rock started to become larger than life and crossing over into mainstream, the Scorpion King, and it's apparent he's going to be in more franchises. He's going to be headed to Hollywood on a more full-time basis. Did his relationship with the locker room, with the boys, change at all? I don't think I, – I, I never saw any major change in it. I mean, it was always – there were some guys and probably guys who had probably busted their – busted their ass to like, you know, work on top or be in the main event or try and draw more money, whatever. They might get frustrated whenever he would come around. But like when it was all said and done, it was always a positive because he was a huge star. And once again, he was becoming a crossover star. So obviously he's going to boost ticket sales. He's going to boost viewership if he's on our programming. So I always love, I've never 
had an issue with guys coming back to do like one shots and what, especially if they're a big star and they're like putting more eyeballs on the product. I've always thought that's a good thing. But I mean, even at that time when it was becoming apparent, he was not long for the world of pro wrestling. He still felt like one of the boys and treated everyone. Cause, cause yeah. like you said, I mean, you just said with your Matt fact, right? Like he's truly a good brother at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Don't touch that. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is always, treated everyone the same. I mean, especially in my interactions with him, you know, speaking from experience, I can say that he has always treated me the same, you know, right from the jump. And even like later on down the road, now that he's like one of the biggest stars on the planet, I mean, every once in a while, you know, you might maybe every year, every couple of years, like there'll be some tweet that I would write and just out of random, it like triggers him as he's scrolling down through and he would respond to it. A lot of times with champagne tweets because he's a, he's a huge fan of Marty Garner. You know, Marty worked for him. For a couple years, uh, he loved having Marty around just to entertain him. But yeah, he he, he has always been a level-headed, down-to-earth guy, and that has never changed. I'm going to get into the Marty Gardner stuff in just a minute uh, because I do want to ask you more about some of that. But I want to circle back to. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm cracking up. It, it oh, yeah. truly is always chaos and now it's Hardy. I love it. Bad love. It. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be any other way <laughs> I love it um, what was his relationship with Vince like in comparison to some of the other top stars at the time uh, I think Vince had a lot of love for him and, and once again it was almost one of those where I feel like Vince and Steve, when they were working in closest, when they were working in their in their in their closest compatibility, I, I almost feel like they worked as like kind of best friends more than anything else, you know. Where I, I think Steve respected Vince. I think Vince knew that Steve had been in the wrestling business for a while, busting his ass to get this opportunity, and I, I think they 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 both loved the fact that they played off each other so well. They you know, really help bring each other into, you know, uh, they, they help bring each other into the next levels of their characters and as performers and as ticket sellers and whatnot. But I feel like when you look at the relationship between Rock and Vince, it was more, as I've described before, even like with Bray, like a, a father something in some ways. Because I think Rocky started, you know, in Memphis, but he was kind of in the system to work for Vince from day one once he started pro wrestling. So I think Vince almost has a little bit more of a, a love for someone like that, where he almost like feels like he's taking him under his wing. So I feel like that's kind of how their relationship was, at least until, you know, rock became a big breakout deal and became like this mainstream movie star. Did Vince have any resentment for rock for doing that? I mean, I guess Vince personally could have had some resentment. He could have warned him to stick around, but Vince being a guy who is all about business and, that expression of like, it's only business. I mean, very much applies to Vince. Uh, I'm sure he looks at rock and he understands it is only business. So he doesn't hold that resentment personally. I'm, I'm pretty positive of that. And because plus, Vince understands. Plus if rock goes out and becomes a big time star, that means that if Vince can convince him to come back for any period of time, well, boy, howdy, you're going to have yourself in a pretty prosperous situation. <laughs> if you can and, and once he I mean and Rocky loves wrestling. I mean yeah. he grew up with it. I mean if you if you you know if you watch the, the Young Rock show, I've seen some of it. I hadn't seen it all, but I mean it's very apparent of how 
you know, how he loved wrestling growing up. And it was such a staple in his life with it being his family business. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's super apparent how much he loves wrestling because any opportunity he had to come back, he would. I mean, this rider strike happened. He couldn't really do anything back to wrestling. You know, it's, it's so cool, man. It's, it's so cool that he, he's always remembered his roots and he's been always happy to come back. And, and you feel like he's enjoying himself whenever he's back there. It's like, he's back home. I mean, I mean he, you know, I, he, 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 people say that all the time. Like, Oh, it's good to be back home. But I mean, I feel like Rocky really believes that and feels yeah. like I, I didn't tell you this, but when we did your 30 years of Matt Hardy video last year, I came this close to getting rock for it. I came this close. Oh, wow. It was a last minute thing and we were hoping to beat the buzzer with it. But unfortunately he wasn't able to get it done, but he did send well wishes at the time. Uh, and congratulations. He, he, uh, he, he believes the Hardys are good brothers. I know that uh, no doubt about it, but he goes away for a while, Matt. And by the time he comes back in 2011, he is absolutely yoked. And I got a feeling I know why he was at least partially yoked. You know why, Matt Hardy? I am sure he was following the correct programs. He was, of course, following the correct programs. But he was also drinking his AG1s. Because why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you be drinking your AG1s? Well, of course you're going to be drinking your AG once. That's what I mean. He was following the correct programs, and the correct program is to wake up every morning first thing and drink your AG once. It's what I do, and I'm positive that's what someone like the Rock does as well. He got tired of taking all those different supplements himself. He wanted a single solution, supporting his entire body, covering his entire nutritional basis every day, protecting his gut health. Even though I don't think Rock has to worry too much about that. And he made sure to make AG1's part of his daily routine before working out and making him feel unstoppable every single morning. Well, at least I'm assuming that. But I know that's how it makes you feel. Am I correct on that, my friend? You are correct in that. I mean, when I get up and I take my AG1's and I've had a good night's sleep, I am ready to run through walls. I'm ready to run through walls while doing cardio. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple, drinkable habit. Its science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients are raising the standard for quality in the supplement category, helping you build your health and your foundation first. We're talking finding focus, strength, clarity, energy with 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients we want to help you out here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy when you drink your AG1s every single morning. Let me tell you how we can help you do so. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get how many free AG1 travel packs, Matt Hardy? Five, cinco, five, cinco, five free travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase, go to drinkag1.com forward slash Hardy. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Hardy. Check it out. He goes away. He comes back 2011, and immediately he is put into a program with John Cena and Matt in a move unlike anything Vince McMahon ever did. He promoted a match for the following year's WrestleMania. So a year-long build to this mega match between John Cena and The Rock. What did you think of the two of them as frenemies together? And what are your thoughts on that promotional strategy to create a match one year out in the making? Um, I mean, that's uh, 
that's a great opportunity to try and sell some tickets in advance for sure. If you have a big match, a big marquee match like that, uh, the Rock versus John Cena. I, I love the fact that there there was a point where John John Cena le- legitimately criticized Rock a little bit because he was like he was he was deep in the trenches, right, doing everything, busting his ass on every event, on every Make a Wish, on every appearance, whatever it may be. He was just just he was working. 25 hours a day at that point, John Cena was, you know, he's like, Oh, but you know, rock, you're a big Hollywood guy. Now you're a big Hollywood star. You just come back and walk in and you expect the red carpet to be rolled out for you. This, that, and the other thing. So it's very funny how fast forward down the road, John Cena ends up making the same transition. And then he kind of like walks back those comments like, Oh, maybe I really wasn't in the right place of saying that because like he does it too now, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I think that's interesting in the big scheme of things, but I, I thought that was a really interesting uh, an interesting experiment, you know, in, in advertising John Cena versus The Rock a year out and then giving people that that match, which was definitely a dream match. So I, I'm here for it. Kudos, Vince, for doing that. <laughs> Rock was even the one to take down CM Punk's historic championship reign. He gets another run on top. And he comes and goes over the years. His last match documented was an eight-second match there with Eric Rowan technically speaking, at WrestleMania 32, though some people will dispute that actually being a true match. And for some time now, there's been speculation that we could see The Rock and his cousin, Roman Reigns, mix it up in an ultimate battle for the Bloodline crown. We saw him return on SmackDown just a couple weeks ago to a truly tremendous ovation from Mm -hmm. the millions and millions of Rock fans out there. How big of a match is Rock versus Roman Reigns? And do you believe we will ever see it? It's a huge match. Uh, It's huge. And I I think it would lead to a very successful WrestleMania. Uh, I do. I I feel like now that Rocky has been speaking about it and saying it was almost greenlit for last year and and now that they might do it this year, I, I feel like if he's even... I feel like if he's even mentioning it in any capacity that it's in his mind to do. So yeah, I I do think it will happen. I do think it would be a huge draw. I don't know if the diehard wrestling fans are going to get the match they would want, but I think it's going to be a huge spectacle. And I think it's going to be a match that are going, is going to have casual fans uh, extremely interested in, and they're going to want to tune in and watch it. I mean, you know how I feel about it. I think it would be a great match and a spectacle to be sure. But uh, Cody should have won. Cody should have won because guess what, Matt? That match doesn't need the Universal Championship. The crown of the tribal chief is enough allure to sell that match. And I think that you wouldn't have to worry about potentially steamrolling over a Cody Roman rematch in order to get a rock Roman match with the championship on the line. Had Cody just won that championship because that match is still massive, even without the WWE championship. In fact, I would argue it's probably less predictable without the championship on the line. Any thoughts I, on I, I, I agree with that. I do. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I was just going to say, do you know where we're at now as far as Roman is, as far as, where he is on the list of being the longest reigning champion ever. I, I thought you were going to ask, what inning are we in? Because uh, for, for the first time, Cody 
addressed the third inning comment this past week from Paul Heyman. Yeah, apparently that, we're not that, that was a, yeah, yeah, we're not in the third inning Paul, anymore, right? apparently, just so you know. Where are we at? Top of the top of the fourth? Yeah. Um, <laughs> top of the fourth, maybe, maybe I, uh, what so so where where are we at? So he just passed uh I, I know he passed a thousand days. Didn't he pass someone's number just Let's recently? See. Let's see. WWE sure have that there. Roman Reigns. Because I, while you're looking this up, I feel like they are making a statement out of Roman Reigns and just saying like the new era of pro wrestling is the best era, and Roman Reigns is the biggest star. Yeah. Uh, and and, and the, the reason he is is because he's held the title longer than anybody else. Okay. Like, because I I feel like there 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 there's there's some some runs on there. There's some title reigns that he he probably can't pass uh, in reality but maybe a two but like where, where's he at now in terms of being the longest reigning champion so he has currently the fourth longest to overall reign here in mm-hmm. in this in this particular reign that he has as a universal champion it is fourth longest he passed pedro morales about 100 days ago Mm-hmm. He has about a hundred plus days more to pass Bruno San Martino's second reign, mm-hmm. which was 1,237 days. He has about a year's worth left to pass Hulk Hogan's first reign. Uh, he has a long way to go to get to Bruno's first reign, which was 2,803 yeah. days. Yeah, I mean that 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 one's not really feasible. I don't know, you know, but but, but I, I could see him. I could see him beating Bruno's reign, uh, and I, I, in all honesty, I might could see him beating Hogan's reign too. Do you could see them leaving the title on him another year here? Maybe. I mean, I, I feel like at this point, they're making a statement. I feel like that's specifically why it's happening. I, I feel like that's specifically probably why Cody didn't win because I feel like it would have made sense for Cody to win. But then you started hearing all these things. No, they want him to definitely pass the thousand days and they want to do this. And I feel like the, the longer it goes and the deeper we get into it, probably the more uh, cognizant they're going to be of like, oh, it's a really long reign. It's a really historic reign. Like, let's put a lot of equity in this. And let, let's say like this new age of WWE is some of the greatest WWE ever because our champion has Hi. been reigning longer than anybody else. Right, Barty? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Yeah, but does it really matter when your champion's never wrestling? Well, it doesn't matter as much, probably. But once again, uh, I, I, I think they, I think once again, it's a statement. I, I think they are saying he's a big deal and he's hot. He's been proven to be a numbers draw, I guess, because like week in, week out, wherever Roman's been positioned and the bloodline stuff was, it was always doing a, a great number on TV. Uh, and, and I feel like even if he's wrestling every few months or whatever, maybe, you know, going forward, I, I feel like it's still very important that they want him to have a long historic reign. And that's why, they, that's why they're putting all this equity into it. Does it matter at this point if they do Rock versus Roman on the WrestleMania stage? I, I think it's a big thing. It doesn't a, matter, Matt Hardy. There you have it. That was just a setup for you. Sorry, I had to. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I was going to do that to you earlier, but that's like, oh, I won't. Um, but that, that was good. That was good. So I, I I think it's one of those things. It's just a huge mainstream marketable match, and I, I think like casual fans, a lot of, I think it's a positive for WWE because there's going to be a lot of fans outside the business that just know Rock is <laughs> They know it was a wrestler before, and they really want to tune in and invest in that match. 
I, I agree with you. It'll, it'll be a big match when it happens. And I do think it will happen, for the record. I really do think it will happen. Uh, it's just a matter of when, the time. When, 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 do, you, when do you think it'll happen, John? I think it should. It happen. doesn't matter when you think it's going to happen. See, I, 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 <laughs> you knew that was coming. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> That's why you paused. Pregnant pause. Had to had to breathe a little bit there in anticipation. That's good. That's good. That's good. We got to keep the bit strong. Uh, <laughs> listen, over on over on ad free shows, you and I are going to watch the match where you actually worked with the Rock. It's the only time that the Hardy Boys and the Rock teamed up, and we're going to watch that. And you're going to tell some stories about that match and answer some questions from all of our fans here of the Extreme Life Mad Hardy. So if you're a fan who submitted a question for that. Go give ad free shows a shot and you'll get that episode as a bonus. And we'll talk a little bit more about Dwayne. But, uh, you know, I know he is one of your favorite humans that you've come across in pro wrestling. Uh, you mentioned the Marty Gardner stuff. I mean, how did how did Champagne get linked up with Rock? Uh, Marty also is a man of a million catchphrases and he would have all these entertaining lines. And just from being around TVs, I, I think Rock was very entertained by him. I think he found him as a very entertaining individual. And uh, he ended up just being his assistant. And he got a great payday. He traveled around the world with The Rock. And I think Rock won him around more than – for more more, more, more reasons than anything else. It's just because he was a, a funny and entertaining dude that made Rocky smile, made him laugh. And he liked his jokes. And he liked his, his, uh, he liked his personality. Sometimes you just need a little levity. And that seems to be like the type of guy. I mean, Rock really comes across as a very generous guy who's always willing to give back. And uh, he's done a lot for people in the industry and people outside the industry. It Does it blow your mind every now and then just to think that he truly has become one of the biggest stars in the history of Hollywood? I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, that someone that you've worked with and someone that you knew pretty well and you interacted with on a daily basis when you were on the road back in the day. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty wild to just to see that, but it's great. It's I'm very happy for him. You know, he's a guy who's busted his ass. He is one of the hardest workers you'll ever meet. So he, he's definitely worked very hard and he deserves everything he's getting. You have a favorite rock movie? I've seen the rock. It, it's hard. Uh, he, he's had a lot of good ones, man. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed some of his performances as Hob and some of the fast and furious stuff. Um, I also, Walking Tall, I thought was really good. Uh, whenever, whenever that that first came out, whenever he did that remake, um, he's had he's had a lot of good movies. I actually looked up when we were talking about doing that. Like he's been in a a shitload of movies, you know, which I'm not. Uh, it's crazy how many Dude. movies he's been in. Yeah, he, he, he's the Arnold Schwarzenegger of this generation. No, that's, I mean you're, you're that's 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 an accurate statement. That's what he is. And we're going to talk more about Rock over on our ad-free shows bonus. So make sure you head on over there, adfreeshows.com. Excited to watch that match uh, back with you, Matt Hardy. Anything else you'd like to say about your pal Dwayne here and his legacy in wrestling? No, just uh, once again, it's, it's just great to see, man. Once again, a dude who has been solid right from the jump, uh, never changed, uh, always seem to keep the same – mentality keep the same ego keep the same attitude no matter no matter how big of a deal he he became uh and i and i love that i'm just uh, very happy for him he's very deserving a good oose if you will yeah he's a good oose he's a good oose 
feeling a little loosey. Well, if you're feeling a little loosey and want to join us here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, you head on over to advertisewithhardy.com and you can promote your business to the extreme. Get it out in front of thousands of listeners every single week, your business, your product, whatever it may be. We would love to have you join our team here over at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. And as I said, too, boxgimmicks.com. Go check out those T-shirts. Go check out those baseball shirts, everything else there. We got some sweaters coming on the way and lots of other good stuff. Boxagimmicks.com. Check out the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy store. Matt, anything else you'd like to add this week? Uh, no. Uh, once again, if you're watching this on Friday, make sure to tune into AW Rampage tonight to watch uh, the Hardy Party versus uh, versus the Acclaim and Daddy Ass. Hey, guess what? I'll say this now. I can't. I can't give full details just yet, but you'll find out in a matter of dates. If you're in the New York City area or the tri-state area. Your boy's going to be back on television. Finally, it's about time. <laughs> so if you're a fan of that, go check that out. Stay tuned on social media. There's more on that in just a little bit. But uh, You've been hey, dropping man. those clues. Oh, we're dropping those clues. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back in business. And we're going to be back over at WrestleCade as well. WrestleCade.com. Get those tickets Friday, November 24th, 8.30 p.m. The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy Live. It's going to be one hell of a time. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. <laughs>